much, Pastor Gary. Can I call you Gary? Thank you. It's tremendous to be here. I'm telling you. There's a lot of people asking me. They're saying, Donald, they said, how are you planning to make Halloween great again? I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take away pumpkins from children. We're going to make them carve pumpkins. It's going to be huge. I'm telling you, there's a lot of... And I know a lot about huge pumpkins. I'm telling you, it's just tremendous. Somebody asked me, they said, do the people at the White House suffer from insanity? I said, no, they actually seem to enjoy it. I'm telling you. <laughs> and so we, don't, we want to keep things even because if you're a Democrat here, you're saying, I don't want to hear from Donald Trump. Well, I invited Bill Clinton to join us here today. Oh, thank you very much. It's so good to be here today. And I'll never forget the time somebody asked me one time. They said, uh, they said, Bill, tell us about marriage. I said, well, the first 30 years are the hardest. They said, how long have you been married? I said, 30 years. <laughs> it's so good to be here with all of you wonderful people. And, and uh, I remember the time Hillary and I were at a fundraising event. It was actually at a Pentecostal church. And there was a man down the front. He was dancing, shouting, running the aisles, doing the moonwalk, all that you people do. Hillary leaned over to me. She said, see that man over there? 40 years ago, he asked me to marry him, and I turned him down. I said, well, it looks like he's still celebrating. Excellent. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know, I know we're a Pentecostal church, but rumor had it that uh, the singer, Elvis, actually had some roots to Pentecost before he... have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue. Just thinking. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> but now, you know, we'll, we'll bring him back around to Pentecost. And so, Brother uh, David Bernard usually only does big organizational events. He doesn't always come to the local churches. But he, he, he our general superintendent, Reverend David K. Bernard, decided to grace us with his presence today. Well, I would just like to say thank you to all of you wonderful people. And I'm so glad to be here today to have revival with all of you. As you can tell, I'm very, very, very excited to be here in this place. I'll never forget the time that someone told me about an election. And it was reminding me of the time that I uh, stuck a fork in the toaster. I was shocked. I didn't always have the best childhood growing up. And for many years, my parents moved a lot, but I always found them. And it was a... And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been on the evangelist field. Brother Tapia has a little bit. And one of the evangelists he looks up to is Brother Lee Stone King. I want all of you beautiful people to know something here tonight. I don't like you. And you don't like me, but I don't care. I, I really don't care. About a week ago, I was in India with Brother Sism, and we were sitting in a boiling pot of water. Pygmy headhunters had captured us, and we were doing our thing, just dancing and shouting and running the aisles and all that you do when you've been trapped in a boiling pot of water. And, uh... We like the five-fold ministry, so not just the evangelists. So we wanted to honor the pastor, so we invited Pastor Jeff Arnold. Into How are you doing, you bunch of slime bags? <laughs> I'm going to save you 42 years of Bible school with this next statement. Why do kamikazes wear flight helmets, huh? No, you missed it. You missed it. 
And then, uh, brother, I know he's passed on to glory, but evangelist Charlie Mahaney, if you've ever heard of Brother Mahaney, he, 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 he actually has come to join Hallelujah. us. Hallelujah. This is Charlie Mahaney. Hallelujah. I was walking down the streets of Jerusalem last week eating a bucket of fried chicken. Hallelujah. <laughs> I ran out of chicken, so I started eating a bucket. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, as a child growing up, we were pretty poor, and somebody broke into our house one time, and we mugged him. Hallelujah. It's amazing. <laughs> I, w I wasn't too bright growing up. One time I broke my leg when I was raking the leaves and I fell out of the tree. Hallelujah. <laughs> one time I got stuck in an escalator for three hours when the power went out. and That was a joke, folks. I don't, you'll get that tomorrow. Hallelujah. I hated eating M&Ms because they were so hard to peel. Hallelujah. I was so ugly. One time I went into a haunted house and came out with an application. Hallelujah. <laughs> They were thinking of moving Halloween to my birthday for many years. Hallelujah. <laughs> for about five years, I was the next door kid's imaginary friend. <laughs> One time I came outside, my neighbor was cutting up onions. I cried like a baby. Onions was a good dog. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. That was, <laughs> that was a switch. <laughs> And the last one, we thought, figured we, we cut worship just a song short to allow time for their video and the topics when they come, but we thought we would just go ahead and add, have one brief song from the old Morel Ewing. Well, just an old rejected Santa sitting on an auction block. <sighs> they decided... To throw me away. <laughs> the auctioneer asked who will take him. The room grew quiet and still. And then a stranger stepped forward. Sister Diana said, I will. <laughs> How many of you knew every person that he uh, impersonated? Raise your hand if you knew every one of them. All right, we got some of you. That's, that's great. How many of you at least knew Elvis Presley? Bunch of heathens. All right. No, uh, we, we love to have a good time. He's so talented in so many ways, and we're thankful for, for the entire Tapia family, and I'm going to let him do whatever he does. I don't know if their family comes up, but we want to welcome, at the very least, brother and sister Tapia, but then they have three kids. Landon, right here. We have Elena and Anissa, who's about to go to sleep. And so we're so thankful that their whole family initially, we thought it might be just Brother Tapia. We were all disappointed about that, but then the whole family came. And so we were thanking no, I'm just kidding. So uh, we like to have fun, and I believe that we should smile and laugh. It's good for the soul. But, uh, but at the end of the day now, this is a man of God. And a man of God that can do talented things. But... Uh, but Right now, the Lord is going to use this man of God in his first office, and that is the office of a preacher. And so God's going to give him a word, but I want him to take his liberty and tell us a little bit about Metro Missions, about Minneapolis, where they're going, 
And also, I believe they even have a quick video. So I want to hand this to Brother Tapia, and let's just stand and welcome the man of God and his entire family to Refuge Church. Amen. Let's give that to the Lord. He's an awesome God. Let's clap our hands to Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. What a wonderful service this is today. What a great presence of the Lord is here. And I'm just sitting back enjoying it, enjoying the goodness of God, tremendous singing, the music team uh, working so well together, just joining together, worship and praise to God. And uh, it is a joy and an honor for us to be here. First of all, uh, to be with your pastor, I want to do give, want to give honor to uh, Brother and Sister Dornbach and the work that they're doing here. Thank you for your work, your labor, uh, your ministry, and all the things that are happening. And uh, praise God. And I appreciate them, and I've known them for, for several years now. It seems like uh, we've met. I don't remember exactly where we met, um, but he's always an encouragement, always has a smile on his face. And I appreciate this family, the talented, uh, tremendous work that they do. Amen. I know you love them. And uh, the work that they're doing here. And what a beautiful uh, facility this is. Now, uh, it, it takes work and it takes finances and it takes people to keep a building like this going. To keep it up to date, to keep the paint on the walls, to keep the carpet, the, fly, the decoration, everything. But this is beautiful. Amen. And God is blessing this church. God is moving in this church. Amen. Amen. And I thank God for that. And I always like to hear when pastors say, hey, I've got a little mess going on. I'm sorry, you just have to excuse it. We're, we're trying to build stuff. We're doing this. We're doing that. It might get a little chaotic. But you know what? I'd rather have chaos than have, not have anybody here and just say, well, we've just got the same schedule. We're going to go with it every time. I'd rather have a little bit. You know, we had some people issues over here. We had some problems over here. But you know what? God's moving. And folks are receiving the Holy Ghost. People are being baptized. Things are happening. And I thank God for that. I thank God for this church. I thank God for the ministry of this church. Uh, all of you that are laboring the kingdom of God, Brother James and his wife somewhere out here, Sister Nears here, uh, Sister Diana, Sister Barbara, good to see you all today. I was thinking today about uh, my introduction here to Liberty, uh, the Morgans family, and I first uh, visited a service. I believe it was in 2001. I visited on a Sunday night. It might have been 2002. We were just coming through. I was with a friend, and we stopped here, went out to eat. And I always thought, you know, this is a friendly church. These are people that love the Lord, uh, that are friendly to others, and very kind. And then uh, I came back to do uh, an internship here in Kansas City under Brother Brad Robinson. And I see Brother Chad back there today. And uh, some of his family, Brother Brad and his family, was so kind to me. And in the Sunday nights, we didn't have service, so I would come over to Liberty. And I would come over and, and minister and preach and just be in the service. And then I uh, came back in, after I graduated from Bible school and was doing an internship uh, at the Life Church. And Sunday nights, we'd come over and minister. And so I just, you know, through the years, this church has been a blessing to me. You've been a blessing to me. And I thank you for your giving. You may say, well, you know, um, you know, sometimes we give. Sometimes we, we put some money in the offering plate. We give to missions. We give, and we say, well, you know, I'm, I'm never going to see that again. I'm never going to see that. Uh, but, you know, we don't measure our giving in the things of God in possessions necessarily. 
we measure it in kingdom measurements. And that is the impact on souls, the impact on people's lives. And money that somebody gave, uh, what, it's been almost 16, 17, maybe almost 20 years ago that somebody invested in a young minister. Couldn't hardly preach his way out of, I still can't preach very good. Praise God, you'll find that out. But, you know, I was just, I was traveling, I was moving, I was beginning in the, my ministry, the work that God was doing, and somebody invested in me. Somebody blessed me. And uh, Bishop John Morgan, he'd come and say, now, son, <laughs> he'd always call me son. And uh, he just invested in me, uh, helped me to go to Alexandria, Louisiana, to go to the internship, and that launched my evangelistic ministry. So, so many things have happened and the impact that this church has made. Sometimes you may not hear about the impact until 20 years, 30 years down the road. But we don't give just so we can have an impact so our name can be put on a plaque somewhere. We give because we know it's blessing the kingdom of God. It's blessing families. Praise God. And so I want to thank God for this church. Thank you for giving. Thank you for your love for missions, for your love for people. And it's so wonderful to see this church. I was thinking today about how good God is. And there were some dark times, even when I was here. There were some dark times in this church. But you know what? God is faithful. God is faithful. And God knows how to take things that look dark and broken and destroyed and bring great blessing, bring harvest, bring joy out of darkness. How many know that's true? How many know God is a good God? He's a faithful God. Praise God. And so my family and I are so excited to be going to greater Minneapolis to plant a church. And this is a, a very needy area and very diverse area. But God has opened the doors for us to go. And I want to share a video at this time. Uh, they would help us by showing that video just to talk a little bit about Minneapolis and the work we're doing there. My name is Jacob Tapia, and I'm a Metro missionary to the beautiful area called the Greater Minneapolis Metro. And in the midst of this beautiful city is a great need. The metro area in Minneapolis is home to more than three and a half million people, and it's expected to grow by more than 300,000 in the next 10 years. It is a city where 23% of the constituents say that they have no religious affiliation. That's close to one million people. There's a great need in this city. Our burden is to spread the gospel into the greater Minneapolis metro area. We have a vision to raise up an apostolic disciple-making church that will reach the lost, disciple believers, plant churches, and train leaders for ministry. Would you join with us in our burden? Here's a couple ways you can join us. First of all, join us in prayer. Help us intercede for this city like Jesus interceded for Jerusalem. Secondly, we ask that you'd partner with us financially. Uh, your one-time donation or monthly commitment will help us to get back on site and do the work that God has called us to do. We're asking God to give us partners and fellow laborers to reach this harvest field. Help, help us plant the church in greater Minneapolis. Man, that's where we're headed, Greater Minneapolis. Let's thank God for that. Praise God. Amen. 
And I'm so glad to have my family with me. My wife, Christine, of, of 14 years, been married for, I know I look like I'm 12, but I am 38. I'd be 40, but I was sick of your morning, you're late, so it threw me off. But uh, we're glad to be here today, my family and I. We've traveled uh, this last year over 50,000 miles uh, from British Columbia down to uh, the border of Mexico over to Louisiana. We've just been all over the states, but God has been good. You know, about four years ago, I was an assistant pastor, and uh, we, were, we had a good salary, had a very light schedule at our church. We had a, a home that we had purchased. We had a couple cars that were paid off, no commercial debt, and everything was going good. I was in a master's program, uh, learning how to make wise financial decisions, and did an MBA program. And then I felt the Lord just uh, prodding at my heart or tugging at my soul. And maybe you've been there before. You're just like something. God's doing something in my life. I knew there was a transition coming. And so we, we sold our home. We moved in with my in-laws for a year, and for the last uh, three years, we had been evangelizing, just trying to uh, make ends meet. We, we didn't have a lot of meetings. We were just getting started on the evangelistic field, restarted, I guess, uh, after several years of being off the field. And uh, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And many times I would talk to uh, my secular friends. You know, they say, well, you got an MBA, you know, what, and you're going to make the worst financial decision you could make in your life. <laughs> Amen. We went evangelizing, and people would say to me, they say, well, Brother Tapia, what, what, uh, how much money do you make? I said, well, whatever they pay me. They said, well, how much is that? I said, well, I've never charged a certain amount. You don't charge a certain amount when you're an evangelist. I guess if you want to stay busy, you don't. You don't demand people pay a certain You just, whatever the Lord provides, that's what you live on. And so whatever that was, we lived on it. And, and uh, many times it was very stressful. For three years we lived in that setting. We actually would go into debt every year. Uh, just be, but I knew that I had a word from God. I knew it was crazy. I knew it didn't make sense. I knew that it was just totally out of the... When you think of a, a thing that would be wise, it was not wise to do, to, to live like this. To just basically say, God, whatever you want, that's what, that's what I'll do if this is what you want us to do. But I knew I had a word from God. I had my pastoral leadership. I had their approval. They encouraged me. And I knew that we were going to plant a church somewhere. And that's, that's pretty crucial. You don't make a big life change. It's, well, well, whatever I want to do. No, you, you pray about it. You get advice from your leadership. You have the blessing of the authority of God has placed in your life. You need to have that. It's so crucial. Amen. Because there are dark times. But God has opened the doors for us to go to Minneapolis. In the last year that we've been traveling, uh, raising funds to go, God has blessed us. He's taken care of all of our debt. He's given us so many blessings. God has been faithful. I knew it that God was going to come through. Amen. How many have ever been in that place before? Maybe you're in that place right now. I want to encourage somebody today. God knows where we are, and God can make a way. Praise God. And so we're excited to go to Minneapolis. So many of us, and, and you're in a metro area, so you know this. Many times you might hear somebody say, well, th this is a liberal area, or this is liberal, or this is uh, just so wild, and there's so many things that we allow, and there's just so much. But you know what? Here's what I have found. 
Sometimes in metro cities, people are more open to receiving uh, immigrant nations or people that are coming here from other nations, whether it's on a work scholarship or whether for jobs. You know, my dad came over from Bolivia, South America, to Minnesota because a family had opened their home and said, you can come and stay with us. And what's happening in a lot of our metro areas is God is bringing the nations of the world into our metro areas. He's not taking them into the rural areas. He's taking them into the metro areas. And God, there's over 60,000 Spanish-speaking people in the greater Minneapolis metro area. There's a large population of Hmong. The largest population of Somali uh, nation nationals are in greater Minneapolis. Folks, I really feel like God is going to help us to raise up a multicultural church that will reach people in Minneapolis, but they're not going to stay in Minneapolis. What happens is people come to our country, they are trained, they're educated, they, they are blessed financially, and then they go home, and they're going to preach the gospel back home. It may be a city where I couldn't go. It may be a nation where you and I couldn't go. But because they've heard the gospel, because they've been saved, their lives have been transformed, now they can go home to a place where we could not go. Maybe even the United Pentecostal Church International could not go because of religious restrictions or because of finances, whatever that may be, but God is raising up a church in the metro cities. And so we're asking, I'm, I'm going too long now, but I'm asking you to support us, to help us financially. You say, well, Brother Tapia, I couldn't do a $50 a month partnership. I, I couldn't do that. But maybe your business could. Maybe you'd want to approach. Maybe there's a financial gift that your family would want to do. Maybe uh, you want to say, uh, Brother Dornbach, I, I, I want to I do a dollar a month. I want to do $5 a month. Whatever that may be, I would encourage you, open your heart, give, and let the Lord be a blessing to your life as well. Amen. Stand with me if you would. I want to go to the book of Exodus chapter 14. And uh, boy, I just, I'm excited today, folks. I don't know why. I'm just fired up. Just seeing you all here today, seeing, these, these, seeing this church blessed, seeing these things. I just, I'm so excited. I feel like just crying right now. Praise God. <laughs> Y'all bear with me today because I'm so thankful for what God has done. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 15. Uh, this is a time in the children of Israel when they've come out of Egypt and now they are headed to the promised land, to the promises of God. But before they get there, they're kind of in a tough place. And uh, this is God's response to Moses after the children of Israel are getting a little testy with the Lord. Amen. He said, the Lord said unto Moses, Exodus 14, verse 15. I'm reading from the, the uh, King James. You can uh, read along with me, whatever translation you have. But the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. And I want to just talk to you for a little while from this subject. Amen. Now, they said I could preach till one, but you're leaving at noon, so I'll keep that in mind. I'm just kidding. They, they didn't say that. I'm teasing. But I want to talk to you a little bit from this title, Go Forward. Go Forward. Can we pray together? Let's ask God to just speak to our hearts in the remainder of this service. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your people. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for all that you're doing. I ask you, God, bless your people now. Bless this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Thank you, uh, Pastor, for the hotel and the fellowship last night. Everything that you've done for our families has been wonderful. Thank you for that. Amen. I, folks, if I get out of hand, y'all just, just say he's crazy, he's a fanatic, he's just a nut, and he's just 
a cuckoo. But if anything good comes out, you just say, man, we got a good pastor. He knows how to bring him in. My word. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You know, in, in, in the military, there is a, a way that battles and strategies are implemented. You hear of something called the war room. How many has ever heard of the war room? It's a place where people are making decisions, strategic decisions. They're out in a bunker somewhere. They're, they're in, uh, they're, it's the top level officials and, and, and they are making decisions about how they are going to win the victory or the battle. And, and then they may pick up a phone and they may call someone thousands of miles away. And, and in the war room, they are doing the strategic planning. They're, they have an overview of the entire situation. They have the information. They have uh, the, the intel that they've received uh, from many years of surveillance or, or just information that they have. And then they call the, the tactical units. And that's the people who are on the ground. You've heard of the term boots on the ground. These are the people that are fulfilling the strategy that has been sent to them. And sometimes uh, there is a waiting period. Sometimes there is a, uh, an area of space where those people who are on the ground, those people who are, uh, their boots are in the sand, so to speak, and they have their weapons ready, uh, they have their gear on, and they are waiting for the command. They are waiting for the command. And I can imagine what it would be like. I have never been in military, uh, the military, and I, I try to honor our veterans and our, our serving officers at any time we can. I thank God for those that have served our nation and are serving our nation. Give them a hand today. We thank God for that. But I can imagine that there is, there is a tension there. Because you know where you're going. You know what's supposed to happen. But yet you haven't been able to go yet. You're feeling this tension about battle that's in front of you. But you haven't yet been able to hear that word. You know, sometimes we can feel in that sitting period. And the children of Israel were there. They were there because they had just come out of Egypt. They had received a miraculous deliverance. God had uh, destroyed uh, the power of the Egyptians, and he had killed their firstborn child. He, he had defeated the gods of Egypt. He had shown that he was a mighty God, that the Lord Jehovah was the almighty God, the all-powerful one. And uh, they had come out of Egypt in a powerful way. But now they're in the desert. Now they're in the wilderness. And uh, Pharaoh has said, uh, well, these people are, are, uh, have left us, and so they, they've, they've wiped us out, and so now we're going to go back. We're going to get them. And he called up his army. He called his officers, called everybody that he could. And the Bible said they went out after the Israelites with a high hand. Now, that means they just had all their gear on. They had all their chariots, all their horsemen. There was nobody left behind. Everybody went out to defeat and bring back and destroy the children of Israel. And so you see, you can understand the Israelites looking back over their shoulder and seeing this cloud of dust rising and, and maybe even seeing the army themselves behind them and thinking, well, we're getting ready to be wiped out. They're coming back to take us back to Egypt. They're going to destroy us. And the Bible said they begin to murmur and complain. Now, y'all never do this. We, just, we can laugh at the children of Israel, right? <laughs> Look at these guys, these foolish people. They get in the middle of a test where they start doing griping and complaining. Well, Moses, you brought us out here. We would have been better off back in Egypt. We didn't have a big schedule, you know, because we were slaves. 
We didn't have to worry about what we were going to do and the food we were going to eat because we had onion and garlic. We didn't have to worry about all this, and they were complaining to Moses, but the Lord heard them. Now, y'all never done this, but I've complained to people sometimes, and then the Lord says, hey, you were talking to me. You were complaining to someone else, but the Lord heard it. And the Lord is responding to the people. This murmuring, this griping, this thinking about what they had back in Egypt. And the Lord said, Wherefore criest thou unto me, Moses? Why are you crying to me on behalf of this people? Tell them to go forward. My friend, God sometimes puts us in a place where we can't figure out the plans. We can't figure out what's going to happen. They had the Suez Canal. They had rivers on either side, oceans and... They had the mountains on the other side. They were literally trapped. And only God could get them out of that situation. You ever been there? When you were in a situation where only God could get you out of it? Sometimes God puts us there. So we'll rely upon Him. So we'll pray a little bit more. We'll get a little closer to God. We'll trust Him a little bit more. But the word that God gave them after a time of unrest was it's time to go forward. It's not time to go backward. It's not time to turn to the left or the right. It's time to go forward. You don't know how it's going to happen, but you take the step of faith and God's going to open the door. Because he said, Moses, I want you to stretch out your staff. Here's the, tac- here's the, the tactical side of it. Moses, you stretch out your staff and I'm going to part the waters. They're going to part and you're going to walk through on dry ground. But before he gave them the tactical strategy, he gave them a word. He said, I want you to go forward. I want you to go forward. And if you'll obey my voice, if you will follow me and trust me, then I'm going to give you the harvest. I'm going to give you the blessing. I'm going to give you the increase. Some of us, God's trying to get us out of where we are. Now, I know we're in a time of COVID. I understand that. I understand we're in a pandemic. I understand that this is a time when even businesses, some businesses are saying, you know what, let's just keep things business as usual. Let's not fire anybody. Let's not hire anybody. Let's just kind of wait and see what happens. Let's just hold on. Let's just take a break. And maybe you felt that way. Maybe you've been, had to be quarantined, or maybe you've uh, had to just sit there for a while. And, and you you feel the tension because you know what is possible. You know what you want to do. You know these things, but yet you're in this holding pattern. And sometimes businesses will do that kind of a strategy. They will say, you know what, we're in a, we're in a difficult time, but we have to just lay low. How many's ever heard that before? Just, just don't get excited. Don't do anything crazy. Just, just business as usual. Just keep it, keep it between the lines. I keep it close. You know, I don't know how y'all do all that. <laughs> Praise God. But keep, keep it just calm. Don't, don't mess anything up. And that's good for a time. But we understand that if we stay in that mode, if we stay in the mentality of just keeping things business as usual, not eventually we're going to lose out because the world is changing. The businesses are changing. The culture is changing. But those that can take a moment and relax and rest and get fresh direction, fresh clarity, they come out of that with a fresh idea. And I believe in the church, sometimes God puts us in a holding pattern for a little while. But in that time, we need to get closer to Him. We need to get our strategy ready. We need to get our vision ready because we're coming out of this thing. We're not staying in here forever. We're coming through and 
and God is going to give fresh vision. God is going to say, go forward. God is saying, it's time to move forward. Praise God. And so when God gives you the word, he will always give you the strategy. But before he gives you the strategy, you've got to act in faith. You've got to respond in faith. And the Lord will bring things to pass. I was on a conference call with some metro missionaries, those that are working in metro areas. And if you, if you know about the metro area, planting a church in a metro area can be very expensive. It can be very expensive to, to rent a facility, and especially in landlocked areas. And uh, it can be very difficult to have those finances. That's why we're doing what we do, uh, because one church itself cannot support uh, a church in a metro area, but many churches together and many people together can support something like that. But I was talking to them, or I was listening to, to them talk about their buildings being closed. And some of them I had preached, and one of the guys, he, he had a downtown area. And they had closed the entire facility because of COVID. Everything was shut down. And he said, you know what? He said, everything was shut down. He said, so we found a little campsite an hour and a half away. And we drive out there every Sunday or every weekend. And we have church and we have worship services where we can social distance, do what we need to do. Folks, that's commitment, isn't it? <laughs> How many of you would say, well, I'll drive, Pastor, I'll drive an hour and a half. We'll go have church out in a campground in the middle of nowhere. No facilities like we have here. But, but I'm committed. Folks, I'm telling you, God can open the... He said, we've been baptizing people. People are getting the Holy Ghost. I talked to another Metro missionary. Uh, he said, you know, he said, our building's shut down. We can't do anything. We've been very locked down. He said, but what we've done is we've said to our members, let's come over to your house on a certain day, and we're going to have a barbecue. He said, so we started buying our members nice grills. He said, and when you have a Bible study, you invite your neighbors over. He said, and so what's happening is we got into the grill ministry. He said, and people are inviting their friends over, and they're getting the Holy Ghost in homes. They're being baptized and repenting at an altar of a kitchen table. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, what am I trying to say? I saw another Metro missionary. I know his building's closed. I know he's not having services, but he baptized a lady in her bathtub just a couple of days ago. I'm telling you, my friend, when you've got a word from God to go forward, God's going to open the doors. God's going to make a way. God can bring things to pass like never before. Praise God. I know that God can move in times of uncertainty. God, can some of you right now, you feel like you're trapped. You feel like things are holding you back. You feel like you're surrounded and you're, 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 you're living in this fear and this intensity. But I want you to know it's time to hear the voice of the Spirit. God is saying, I know we're in a tough time, but let's go forward. Let's go forward in our walk with God. Some of you, it doesn't, you don't have to, be, you don't, you don't have to, to wear a mask to pray in your home. You don't have to be afraid to pray in your home. Get, and that's the thing, maybe that's why Jesus said get in your closet, because he knew COVID was coming. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I mean, that was a revelation right there. <laughs> He said, go into your closet. It doesn't take much to go into your closet and pray. Some of us need to get closer to God. Some of us, the reason you're up late at night is not to get, uh, to get higher level on your, the gems, games, and all these things. It's to get closer to God. It's that God's saying, I, I want to hear from you. I'm getting ready to do something in your life. 
Maybe the reason some of you are having financial problems and family problems is the Lord saying, it's time to get closer to me. What do I have to say about this? I know you've got an investment you're going to make. I know you're thinking about this big investment. But you know what? If you'll listen to me, I know where you can put your money to multiply it and make it all kinds of blessing. Folks, God knows where we are. God knows what we're going through, and I believe he has a word for this church. Now, I'm not trying to take over. I, I'm, I'm submitted to your pastor. Whatever he wants, he can stop me at any time. I'm submitted to him right now, whatever he wants. But I really feel like God is going to give us direction for the next step. God, is you're going to start hearing some things. And you may say, well, that, 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 that may be a little out of the ordinary of what we do. But if God is in it, if God is speaking it, if God is saying it, then let's have an attitude that says, Lord, Lord, I want to go forward. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to go forward in you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's clap our hands. Let's give God some praise right now. God's doing it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Mm. What a beautiful pulpit here. I'm glad I could reach down here and grab this bottle of water. I was preaching here one time. I reached down, grabbed a bottle of water, and it had been sitting there for a few weeks. I said, it was a cup. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Folks, I'm telling you, God knows how to give you a strategy. God knows how to open the doors. If we can just trust him. If we can trust him and say, God, it's in your hands, I, I give it to you. I visited Minneapolis. I'm closing with this. Musicians come, magicians, anybody. <laughs> Praise God. Make this bad sermon disappear. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I'm, I'm through. I'm done. But, you know, I visited, I visited Minneapolis a few months ago, back in June, and I stood at the spot where George Floyd tragically lost his life. I saw the murals that they had put up. I saw the flowers and I saw the, the paintings, the statues, the things that had been put up there. As I walked around that little plaza area, I looked over and I saw the burned out gas station. I saw the closed, uh, the store that was there that was, uh, it was closed and the buildings that were shuttered and and I heard people screaming and cursing the government, cursing people, just, just cursing everything. I heard people, I saw people crying. I saw them weeping. And I stood at that spot. They had painted a little spot where uh, George's body had laid there in the middle of the street. And I stood at that spot and I wept. And I thought about the scripture that Jesus said, The thief comes to steal and to kill. And to destroy. Anytime we see a tragedy, we have to remember that Satan, his, his plan is to steal. His plan is to steal lives and families and homes and, and to steal and to destroy people's lives. That's his plan. That's his strategy. That's what he wants to do. I looked at, at the burned out 
uh, wreckage of some of these buildings. And I, I thought to myself, how tragic this is, how terrible this is. Look at the darkness in this area. And people that tell me, they say, well, you're going to Minneapolis. Ooh, that's a, that's a crazy place, you know. And don't you know there's a lot of Muslims up there? And don't you know there's a lot of this and a lot of that? Don't you know there's a lot of things going on? But as I stood in that spot and I thought about the darkness, I heard gospel music playing. And I heard people, uh, I heard some singing going on. And I smelled some barbecue. And I looked over and there was a little barbecue set up. And there was a little tent set up. And there were people giving away clothes. And I walked over there and there was gospel music going on. And you know what? Right across the street from where George Floyd died and this tragedy took place and the, the protesting and the riots and all the, the, the anxiety and the turmoil, there was a little gospel mission. And during that rioting, during the heat of the protest, they were baptizing people in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. What am I trying to say, my friends? That the devil can shut things down, but he is not in control of the strategy. He is not in control of the master plan. If somebody can say, God, I want you to be in control of my life. God, I want to trust you for my future. God, you can bring the strategy to pass in my life. Let's stand to our feet right now. Let's give God a good hand clap of praise right now. Let's thank him that he knows what needs to happen in our lives. Praise God. I'm closing right now. I'm done. I'm through. But I want to make an appeal to somebody today. Maybe God has been speaking to you about your spiritual life. Maybe you're not where you need to be with God. You're saying, you know what? I I need to get closer to God. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you, you, you've never heard the name of Jesus, but I want you to know that the Lord loves you. He cares about you. He wants to change your life. He wants to transform you. He wants to totally wipe away your past. How does that happen? The, the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, the apostle Peter said, repent, turn away from your sin. And then he said, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It'll wash away every sin. Now, I know we've got a baptismal here. We can baptize you if you want your sins to be washed away. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus today, and your sins can be washed completely away. But then he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What was he referencing? It was in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4 that they received the Holy Ghost. And the sign was that they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Maybe you've never received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. But you're feeling something. You're feeling. Some people talk, describe it like it was pushing on their stomach or goosebumps running up and down their back. Or maybe this, this heat. Or I've seen people fall back under the power of God. But maybe you're feeling like... Like there's something for me right now that God wants to do. You can lift your hands and surrender and say, Lord, flow through me. God, fill me with your power. Fill me with your anointing. Fill me with your spirit. And maybe there's somebody here right now that you're seeking God for direction. You're seeking God for your life, for your marriage, your family, your finances, your home, your situation on your job, whatever that is. I really feel like God is speaking to somebody right now. And if you'll surrender to him, if you'll open 
open up your heart to God as we begin to pray and sing. I'm going to open these altars if you feel comfortable. If you want to kneel in your chair and pray. If you want to take the hand of somebody in your group and pray with them. Let's believe God for a miracle right now. Somebody can be healed. Somebody can be delivered. Somebody can get closer to God. Right now, we're going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord. I want us to pray all over this house. If you need whatever you need from God, God is here right now. Let's seek Him today for a little while.